0: max minute where we tumble unexpectedly out of vehicles in mad max to the road warrior one minute at a time i'm rick
1: and i'm julia
0: and today we're talking about minute nine which begins with some random dude who can't even drive worth beans yelling at max and it ends with max driving off into the night wow hey you know what i that feel is, completely justified in criticizing critical. the driving ability of the dude in the buggy because he cut off his bu- his friend and, and they he- would still be chasing max if he hadn't pulled that dumb maneuver
1: i do have to give him credit though for using the abilities of his buggy and going off-roading
0: yeah but which
1: was like a major complaint that we had about the first movie is nobody ever left the road
0: Yeah, but him leaving the road was a good idea. Him trying to get back on the road? Awful idea.
1: Yeah, okay. I will definitely give you that. And it was to his detriment. And I don't know, maybe he shouldn't be complaining about it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, sure, the Landau was in front of Max at the time. But that would have been the perfect opportunity for the buggy to slow down and not speed up to cut in front of his friend. I don't know. I don't want to dwell on prior minutes i'm just saying
1: (laughs) you're saying you don't feel bad for this buggy driver i
0: really don't well because he made a terrible decision and you know this is his comeuppance he made his bed now he can lie in it now he
1: can (laughs) die in it yes which he does Very quickly. In
0: spectacular well, I wouldn't say spectacular fashion. He has a spectacular death cry.
1: Yes, he does.
0: Because Max is going to open up the door to the cab of the Mack truck and it just it's an it's a wail. It's not even a cry. It's like a like a banshee's whale or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually kind of disturbing when you think about it from the driver's perspective. Like he's probably just regained consciousness, realized how how badly he's hurt, and maybe he hears movement outside the buggy. So he just cries out and reaches out for anybody who might be willing to help him.
0: So you kind of see it as him reaching out in desperation for help.
1: Well, in desperation, certainly. For help, I'm not really so sure about that. Yeah. We never get any sense of who this driver is. I don't think we even like get a good look at him in previous minutes. Nah. So we know nothing about him. And I'm not really sure what his motivation was for crying out, but he cried out.
0: I kind of got the sense that he was crying out because he was like crying curses. Like,
1: like out of... you know
0: i'm angry and frustrated and dying and you know curse you specifically guy who i can maybe see yeah not in a car crash right now (laughs) all right it's not max's fault no that he ended up there like he had nothing
1: to do with it
0: completely self-destruct like imploded on themselves
1: yeah max really didn't do anything
0: I mean, I think the the fact that he rear-ended the Landau and distracted the bad cop was really what set them up to hit each other. But at the same time, what business did that buggy driver have to get back on the road? Like, seriously, it was so dumb. So dumb.
1: Poor communication.
0: Yeah, apparently. They need to, like, find a CB radio factory and, like, equip all of their vehicles with radios so that they can coordinate. I mean, granted, that didn't really help the MFP back in Mad Max, because they all ended up crashing anyway.
1: Yeah, but But, they were a bunch of idiots. Yeah,
0: that was more gross incompetence.
1: So that, that begs the question, why isn't there somebody or a team of somebody's members of the gang who are in charge of communications why don't they have radios
0: they probably don't split up all that much or if they do split up they leave for the day and then come back at the end of the day they go out in little raiding parties
1: yeah but it seems like that's exactly when you would need a radio
0: could just be that radios are hard to find
1: well the truck probably has one
0: no we we don't see one later on in the movie like they never utilize it if it yeah. is in there
1: I I don't know. I just, I can't imagine them not having radios.
0: Yeah. These raiders, they're just not taking full advantage of technology that exists. Well, see, here's the thing, though.
1: I mean, CB. How effective can a
0: radio be without an infrastructure?
1: That's kind of what I'm thinking about. I mean, you have to have radio towers.
0: If you want to send any sort of long distance signal, yeah. Right,
1: but they don't necessarily need a long distance signal. You know, what's the range of just like a ham radio? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up either.
0: Yeah, Because it's really not that important. Because it's
1: really not that important.
0: Yeah. This is what we call a tangent.
1: Uh-huh. We're going to loop
0: back into the minute now.
1: Right. If somebody in the movie were using radios, then we could dive into it. But they're not, so nope. we're not going to do it. We're going to move on.
0: Yeah. Because, the buggy
1: driver is dead now.
0: Yeah. And Max really doesn't react to it.
1: Mm-mm. He... Nope.
0: Like, he sees it happening, and he's just kind of like, okay.
1: Okay. Now, an argument can be made that this was an a deserved death. Like, this was a bad person doing a bad thing and therefore deserves to die. So there's an argument can, that can be made... That there as opposed to what's going to happen later in this minute. Okay. Uh, So what's about to happen, like right now?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. What's going to happen right now? Yeah.
1: Max returns to his interest in opening the door. Uh, it does seem to be a trope, like a horror movie trope where someone's about to open a door, they get distracted by something, and then they return to open the door and something bad is behind the door. Mm-hmm. It does seem to be kind of like a horror movie trope, and that's exactly what happens here. Something bad is behind that door. Yeah. Um. So can I point out, you had in your notes a, a very adverse reaction to this moment. Oh, yeah. this Very okay. much so.
0: So let's just say right now, Max opens the door and the blow. Loaded rotting corpse of the truck driver tumbles out, and it is by far—it's so
1: gross—the
0: most disgusting thing in this movie.
1: Yeah, it is like
0: so gross. Take the eye bulge effect from Night Rider and Toe Cutter from the first mm-hmm. movie, and like apply that to an entire mannequin, and it's just—you look at it and you're like, okay. First of all, if you could smell things with your eyes. Oh. Like, oh, you can me. smell this thing. It is gross. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell that if you got it with... Like, the fact that Max didn't smell it before opening the door... Yes. Is mind-boggling.
1: Although, with the kangaroo around, he might have just smelled the rotting kangaroo.
0: Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Or thought he was smelling the rotting kangaroo.
0: The whole idea of it and the look of it, it is just... Oh, dear. Like, what it even is... is- that and don't make me look at it and they make us look at it like in several different shots and oh it is disgusting
1: i love that i'm the squeamish one but your notes that you took on this moment oh yeah
0: i did not enjoy it
1: yeah you you reacted way more dramatically to this moment than i did and i'm the one that like gets grossed out I would like to point out that in the movie, what was actually filmed and shown to us, so the door opens, the body falls out, Max is like startled and steps out of the way of the falling body. It's not really clear if he's hit by the body at all, but if he is, it's really momentary. He like slides out of the way. Yeah. Body falls to the ground. Um, I'd like to read some things from the screenplay. Okay. Max opens the cabin door a figure drops down crashing onto his shoulders as max struggles from its grasp we see that it is the bloated putrefying corpse of the rig's driver two crossbow bolts buried in its neck so originally it was supposed to fall on him and he had to struggle to get it off of him Ugh. so as bad as you took this moment it could have been worse
0: yeah i'm kind of glad it wasn't yeah cuz in the movie, proper, Max notices that something is coming at him, and so he's able to just take a step back and reposition himself. It's not like this thing throws itself on him. Right. Which... Ugh. ugh. <laughs> Oh,
1: yep it, it's it's pretty it, it's pretty
0: bad. And kudos to the art department is all I can say. Oh yeah, because yeah yeah they really just knocked it out of the park. And honestly, it can stay out of the park. It really does not need to get let back into the park because it is gross with a capital G yes. and a capital R. And just you know what, just hit caps lock and type out gross because that's exactly what this is. <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's move on, because something interesting happens next. Yeah,
0: so Max spends a couple of seconds just kind of standing over the body, looking down at the corpse.
1: With, again, like, almost no reaction.
0: Yeah, just kind of studying it
1: Yeah, like it's
0: a thing. Which
1: I'm kind of surprised at, because comparing the two deaths that occur or are observed in this minute, the... The buggy driver, like I said, it was a deserved death. He did bad things. Those things resulted in a car accident in which he died. Max didn't care because he was a bad person. This this Rick driver, for all we can tell, was an innocent person. And he died too. And still, Max doesn't care.
0: Yeah, I think the only sin that you can really attribute to the Mac driver is that he seemed to be a bit of a hoarder because he had so much stuff in that trailer of his.
1: Yeah. Just
0: piled up in there.
1: Well, I have thoughts on the driver. So, the driver has a music box in his hand, and we'll get more into the music box in a minute, but yeah. that tells me that somewhere in the driver's history there is a child. I'm going to assume I'm going to as- jump to conclusions and say it was his child. Okay. So, I think that the driver's history is that similarly to Max, he lost his family in sometime in the apocalypse. Okay. And similarly to Max, he packed everything up and drove away. And that's where he, you know, ran into trouble and was killed. So I think that truck was full of all his worldly possessions.
0: I think this truck driver is a good example of the caliber of person, like in the opening monologue, those unable to stay mobile and scavenge were. Chewed up and spit out. And this is an example of that type of person. He was clinging too much to the old world and it ended up being his downfall.
1: Yes. Okay. Alternate history is that he had a family and he was trying to support them by staying mobile, to scavenging, to collecting all these things to help his family survive. And he was, you know, trying to get back to his family so that he could support them with what. Ever he found out in the wilderness and filled his truck with. Okay. Trying to get back to his family. And he had found a music box, a gift for his child. Okay. I'm just trying to make it sad.
0: Because <laughs> he's an innocent,
1: from all we can tell, he's an innocent dead man.
0: That's a Try and take this disgusting, bloated, <laughs> rotting corpse. Back. Make him a little bit more sympathetic instead yes. of being so revolting.
1: Yes, because I think he is a sympathetic character, and I think I think I'm led to that mostly by that music box. Because mm-hmm. that music box implies the existence of a child
0: or some sort of sentimentality. Yes. So Max is standing over this body, and he sees this music box that we've been talking about, and it's kind of sitting next to the hand of the corpse. So the ha- the corpse was holding onto it when he died.
1: Yeah, which I think really says something. Yeah, like in in a moment, in the moment you die, what are you holding in your hand? What are you holding onto? I think mm. that's pretty important.
0: So, and this is one of those little turn crank music boxes it's not one of those things where you can use a a key or a lever to like wind it up and then it plays for a while and this is like one to one you turn the lever the cylinder turns the pins hit the comb and then it plays music and it's more specifically happy birthday to you the song Plays happy birthday to you. So I looked up that song Cause because course of course you did. <laughs> the melody of happy birthday to you actually comes from the song Good Morning to All which was traditionally attributed to American sisters Patty and Mildred J Hill in 1893 although that claim that the sisters composed the tune has been disputed for like ever. So Patty Hill was a kindergarten principal in Louisville, Kentucky developing various teaching methods at what is now the Little Loom House. Her sister Mildred was a pianist and composer, and the sisters used Good Morning to All as a song that young children could, you know, find easy to sing. And so that tune that was just so simple, they adapted the words and became the Happy Birthday to You song.
1: Which was copyrighted until just a few years ago, Mm -hmm. correct?
0: Yeah, you could not sing it in public without having to pay royalties.
1: Yeah. So George Miller had to pay to use that song. I think so. Yeah.
0: Well, he was in Australia, and I don't know if the US and UK copyrights extended to Australia. I imagine the UK ones would have. But yeah, I think it costs somewhere in the ballpark of like $700 to use Happy Birthday to You in a movie.
1: Hmm. But now it's part of the public domain.
0: Now it's part of the public domain. Yes. but
1: I remember when it happened just a few years ago. It was like a big deal. And it never even occurred to me that that's why, like, when they sing happy birthday to you at restaurants, it's never the actual happy birthday song.
0: Yeah, it's some It's always
1: some ridiculous, their own version.
0: Overproduced. Yeah. Seven part. Right. (laughs) Ridiculous (laughs) Because
1: they couldn't sing happy birthday.
0: Yeah. What I like about Max getting this music box and winding it up is that we just get the tiniest little wrinkle of a smile as he's turning the crank here and listening to the music.
1: Yes. Now, back when we were talking about Mad Max, when we were talking about Sprague, we were never really sure of his age. He was definitely at least one, right?
0: I think so. I think we posited that he was probably about 18 months old
1: Okay So Max would have Experienced Sprog's first birthday Yeah I feel like that's Where his memory is going Yeah
0: That yeah, he's remembering
1: Sprog's his, First birthday His
0: son's first birthday Never got a second
1: Talk about sad
0: Yeah <laughs> I Gosh. think I think that's why his smile is so quick to fade yes. because he was able to remember a happy memory and then he immediately was reminded of the terrible thing that happened. Yes. You know, the fact that
1: like, oh, yeah, that was a great birthday. It was his only one.
0: Yeah. The fact that his family was brutally ripped from him by a street gang. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we laugh to dispel the tension. You know, we laugh because it's all we can do in the face of abject horror.
1: Yes, because we don't (laughs) want to lose our minds like Max.
0: Exactly. Exactly. We have jobs. We can't just wander off into the wasteland. Right. Plus, I mean, in order to get to wasteland from New England, there's just so much civilization you have to drive through and, you know, it's this whole hassle. It's easier just to stay sane.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So he keeps the music box. Mm Mm-hmm. Tucks it in his jacket. Keeps it for later.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting the things that Max chooses to hold on to. Because he's traveling fairly light. It's not like he has a ton of stuff in the Interceptor there.
1: Right. Comparing him to the truck driver who had this whole big truck full of things and stuff. Max is not doing that. He, he's choosing his things very, very carefully. Yeah. So he chooses to keep the music box.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because everyone seems to have their little tchotchkes. There's going to be a minute later on where he comes across another dead body and he starts picking through his belongings. And there are just little tchotchkes and things that he chooses to discard. But this music box specifically, he chooses to hold on to. Yeah. And it... I think it is just because it specifically reminds him probably, like you said, of Sprague.
1: Sprag. It occurs to me that this idea of keeping things that you find out in the world is not unique to this movie. I think we all do it. Yeah. There is, in my car, I keep this little ring. I mean, it's tiny. It's, it's for a child. Like, I can't fit it on any of my fingers. I found it last year, last Labor Day, we went camping, and it was in the dirt at the campground. And I saw it, picked it up, and, like, slid it, like, halfway down my pinky finger. And I still have it. For, I have no idea why. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't remind me of anything i just have it i just kept it
0: and you're really good about cleaning out your car whenever you get gas like it's not like your stuff just nothing more in this
1: world than throwing things away i love throwing things away but i still have this ring we we keep things we we gather tchotchkes and sometimes they have meaning and sometimes they really just don't
0: Mm -hmm. but yeah this is something that max holds on to and it's interesting because max putting away the music box into his coat that shot kind of fades into a wider shot of max you know pulling the interceptor around and driving off into the sunset and so we from this morning slash middle of the day time period
1: yeah we kind of fade
0: and skip right over into evening and so there's more to his interactions with this
1: Yes, I would say hours. Yeah. I would assume that he went through everything.
0: Yeah, picked through it, looked for anything useful. He probably drained the buggy completely of gasoline, mm-hmm. he probably went further down the road with his little siphon kit yep. to empty out the Landau.
1: Absolutely.
0: Because that was a completely other vehicle that he just didn't get to yeah. in the time that we had to watch. And I imagine that he probably got a good amount of gasoline out of both of those vehicles.
1: I would think so. We don't know where the vehicles really came from. When we first met the vehicles, they were already in a chase. Mm-hmm. I would assume that they were fairly well fueled. Yeah. Yeah. If they were sent out on a raid or sent out on some sort of mission, they were probably as well-fueled as the gang could manage.
0: Just so that they could go out, search, and and then come back. Right. Yeah.
1: He probably pulled the bodies out of the cars, searched the bodies. Mm -hmm. He probably picked apart the back of that truck, which I'm surprised it wasn't picked apart more.
0: Yeah, you would think something that big would be more thoroughly scavenged.
1: Yeah, because, okay, right off the bat, the piece of canvas or tarp that was hanging off the side, take it. I mean, maybe not Max because he travels so light, but if you're like part of a marauding gang mm-hmm. and you have a camp to go back to, you take that piece of cloth.
0: Yeah, because large swaths of cloth right. probably very hard come by.
1: Yeah, so I'm surprised that the truck contents weren't picked apart more. Yeah. So I'd like to think that Max did and took the most valuable things to him.
0: Mm -hmm. One thing that really stands out to me of this shot of him turning around and driving off into Twilight, it kind of reinforces all of those things that people say about Mundy Mundy Lookout. (laughs) The idea that the sunsets are really beautiful because, okay, it's really cloudy in this shot. Yes, and it was
1: like bright pink and magenta.
0: Like, it's a color of sunset that I have never seen before.
1: Yeah, you're right. It was beautiful. It didn't even occur to me. I I guess I kind of assumed that that was done in post. But hearing the reviews that sunsets are so spectacular out there, yeah. It struck me that he left... The way he came, I believe.
0: No, he... He
1: went the opposite way? Like, he went... He kept going the same direction he was going?
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because... I might
1: need to watch that moment again, because I thought he, like, went back the way he came. Nope. Okay.
0: Nope. When he left, he was...
1: Because I thought he spun the car around. Nope. Okay, I gotta look it up.
0: No, he threw the car in reverse. And so when it came time to leave, he He went off in the same direction he was going originally.
1: Okay. Okay. I see what you were saying. I agree with you. I mean, you know, I agree with the facts. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to see it for myself. Okay, one thing I did notice just then watching the music box scene, I really liked how the score kind of morphed into Happy Birthday a little bit. Like, it it didn't really play Happy Birthday, but kind of accentuated the song.
0: Like accompanying it?
1: Yes. And made it sound a little bit ethereal. You know, in movies when they're doing like flashbacks or something that's happening in somebody's head, just the sound will get kind of wavy. Yeah. It kind of sounded like that. Like, okay. I think that's what gave me the impression that he was really in his memory.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that idea. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So he drives off into the sunset and that's the end of the minute.
0: Yep. The minute it fades to black. And we actually, in the last two seconds of this minute, it kind of fades up on the next scene, but that's... Oh,
1: I didn't even notice.
0: That's next scene.
1: I think I was so wrapped up in like the end of this scene being the end of the minute that I didn't even notice.
0: Yeah. We'll get to that tomorrow. Tomorrow's minute is interesting. It's very simple and is not overly complicated, but tomorrow's episode is also a Fresh Eyes Friday episode, so...
1: That'll be exciting.
0: That'll definitely liven it up a little bit, and you'll get to find out who our very special guests are. (laughs) When you listen tomorrow, the Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham.
1: The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow
0: Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com.
1: You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at Mad Max Minute.com.
0: Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share on social media to help others find the show.
1: Thank you for joining us for the Road Warrior Minute 9. We will see you tomorrow.